the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our worldwide audience for another episode of the Rescuers Radio Show, heard every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. and Faith Talk 1360, faithtalk1360.com. Please go to rescuersradioshow.org where you can hear and uh, listen to all the shows over our last two years. And uh, you can hear them on podcast. And as this is a listener-guided show, you can donate through the website as well. So I'm very uh, pleased to have the guest right now that I have, um, Lisa Chastain, who is the CEO of Gospel Rescue Mission, located in Tucson, Arizona. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Art. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> I'm so glad we were glad to work this out. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I welcome to the show. Um, and just so that our, our audience uh, gets to know who you are, let's begin with your backstory. Uh, how did you get to this point in your life? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we don't have as, enough time on your show to get a... through that. <laughs> um, so I'm a native Tucsonan. Born and raised. Um, my dad was a home builder. And so we, I was raised in a family construction business. And, um, you know, that was my plan. That was, you know, what I had planned to do. I grew up in the business. I was going to take over my dad's business. Uh, I had two sisters. And so it was very unusual for that time for, you know, women to be in construction. And so my dad was kind of a pioneer in that regard. He didn't matter that we were girls. We were going to get in there and <laughs> roll up our sleeves. And, you know, I've drove heavy equipment since I was 10 years old. Wow. And so I can do it all. Um, but God has other plans for us. <laughs> so, uh, so my life kind of took a turn when uh, the the in the late eighties and the savings and loan crisis um, oh, yeah. happened, yeah. and my dad unfortunately had kind of personally guaranteed our whole life away, hmm. and um, and so lost the business. And so you know, at that point, it was just like, okay, what is next for me? Um, I was not saved at the time. So, you know, I had no direction. I had no clue what I was going to do. And so I got into a really bad place. Mm. You know, I was just trying to numb out 
the feelings of, uh, you know, I, the identity, my identity was wrapped up in our last name and, and who we were. And I felt like I had been stripped of that. Um, all the while, you know, my mom's going back to church. And so my mom faithfully every Saturday night would call us girls and go, you know, you want to come to church with me on Sunday? (laughs) And of course, for a year, we said, no. And, um, and so finally made a deal with her. Hey, we'll go to church with you one time. If you just like, stop asking us. And, uh, and so, you know, the story is we sit in the very back of the church and it seemed like the pastor that day had been living with us girls and read our mail and, um, and God did an amazing thing. And all me and both of my sisters were saved at the same time. We moved in with my mom. It was like Bible study 24 seven. And, uh, and so that's when, you know, their meaning, you know, came into my life. And, um, and so we were called to do national ministry just six months after we got saved, moved to Dallas, was in Dallas for six years and, um, and never thought I would come back to Tucson. And uh, my sister, one of my sisters came back to Tucson and she was married and starting her family. And we were coming back maybe every month or so because we didn't want the kids to be raised without knowing <laughs> us. And uh, and so that led, led, led me back to Tucson and um, and God started giving me a vision for uh for serving the poor and the broken and mm. the hurting mm. and um and so there was many many milestones to that but i started my own nonprofit called hope network and we were doing citywide events that serve the poor our flagship event was hope fest which you guys are familiar there we started yeah. it in phoenix a few years ago and um and hope fest is a one-day event that provides emergency practical services uh to those that are in need and also introduces them to about a hundred different social service agencies uh, to get them connected with long-term care well our goal um, our long-term goal with that plan was always to have a brick and mortar version of what that event was and have, you know, Hope Fest 365. And, um, <laughs> That's a lot of work. It was a lot of work, but we were in the process of taking it national and we had a lot of cities and states that were interested in it. And then in 2017, my, um, my plans got yet derailed again. And um, Gospel Rescue Mission here in Tucson has been serving uh, the community since 1953. And, um, and my grandfather actually started Gospel Rescue Mission. So uh, Gospel Rescue Mission has always been very near and dear to my heart because of the, the history of family legacy of it. And uh, we were in similar, sort of similar populations. And um, so the long-term director at that time um, had Roy Tolgren. He had been here for 20 plus years. Uh, he had lunch with me and just said, hey, the board's kind of on me about finding a successor, and I think you're supposed to take it over. <laughs> yeah, so nothing like a, a light lunch, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you um, said, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> was not what I was planning to hear out of his mouth. But um, so, yeah, so, if, uh, you know, I, I knew right then and there in my heart that God was calling me to do it. It just didn't make sense in my head. And um, how God was going to bring to pass all of these beautiful things that he had promised me, you know, under the banner of gospel rescue missions. So, you know, a couple of months later, I finally got over myself and got out of the way. (laughs) 
<laughs> and just said, okay, God, even I don't have to understand it. I just need to be obedient. And so I called him up and I said, okay, I don't understand why God's calling me there, but he is definitely calling me there. And uh, so I met with the board. We made a succession plan. Uh, we, uh, we started, got started. And uh, two months after I started with Gospel Rescue Mission, we get a call from our local uh, philanthropist and developer here in town, Humberto Lopez. And he goes, hey, I'm thinking about buying this hotel and maybe using it for, you know, a service center to serve the homeless. I've invited <laughs> nine, nine different uh, nonprofits to come on a tour. Wow. And so we went on a tour and, you know, Art, I mean, right then and there in the parking lot, I'm just like wanted to fall to my knees because I'm like, God, I'm just so overwhelmed. I understand now why you've called me here for such a time as this. And, um, and so very long story short, but all the nonprofits said, there's no way who would do this job. This is way too big, <laughs> way too much work. And I could, you know, hardly keep my feet on the floor. So we got started, we made, it was a long process, but the vote board voted unanimously that we go ahead with the project. So the hotel was bought by the, uh, philanthropist. And uh, we entered into an agreement. So we have a 99 year lease for a dollar a year. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a hard wow. financial decision for yeah. us, um, nice. but, but there's a, the hotel has 153,000 square feet. Um, so it was a huge conference hotel back in the, back in the eighties before all the resorts were built. So there's so much land and, and building structure here that we had to work with. So, um, so he wanted to have, have for us to have a little skin in the game. And so we raised the money, the capital money to do the improvements because it needed a lot of modifications. So, um, so the community just kind of wrapped their arms around us. We raised four and a half million dollars in a very short period of time and, uh, started construction. You know, I moved in here with an abandoned hotel and I loved it, you know, with my construction background, I just rolled up my <laughs> sleeves and, and hired the Heavy machinery. Here I come. I know, hired the <laughs> contractors and the architects, and we got started. So that created the center of opportunity is what we what we call it. So the center of opportunity is um, a collaborative campus that we work with 30 different organizations. Gospel Rescue Mission is the managing partner. We're here with 350 shelter beds. Um, we have we are responsible for doing all the meals. Um, we do addiction recovery here. We have mental health service. We have a full service medical and dental clinic. Oh uh, we have a job training center here. We have, it goes on and on. We kind of looked at the whole, um, the whole challenges that homeless face, because, you know, when people are homeless, it's, uh, it's a complicated, it's a, they have challenging, challenging problems. And so we just kind of identified what was the top 20 challenges that people face when they're homeless yeah. and provided a solution here. So it's literally one stop. Um, you know, I kind of brand it as there's no excuses. You know, if you want to end homelessness out of your life, there is no excuses here because we have all the resources to help you um, move from homeless to wholeness. You know, um, it's a big lesson of, of learning the difference of our decisions and what we think we're going to do oh compared gosh. to the way Christ wants it done, right? 
That's absolutely true. The the, the time, sometimes years, uh, it takes for us to uh, to wake up and and figure that out. So I have a, a couple of questions for you right now. Um, before before Hope Fest in Tucson, uh, in Phoenix, I guess think is that the first one that was in Phoenix? I think. Uh, yeah, it start Hope Fest started in Tucson. Oh, in Tucson. It started. Okay. Mm-hmm, yeah, it's been thirty years here in Tucson. Yeah. Wow. And uh, we started it in Phoenix. Let me think. I think it was 2010. It was at the ballpark, I think, if uh-huh. I remember right. Was yeah. it Chase Field? Yeah. So and- um, uh, you had a ministry in Dallas before coming back to Tucson. What was that about? Oh, my gosh. I'm really going to date myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if you remember a group called John Jacobs and the Power Team, mm. they were a group of world-class athletes that would do feats of strength, like, you know, bending bars. Oh, my gosh. I do remember that. Mm -hmm. And then they would present the gospel. Well, at that time, they were doing churches uh, and they were in transition from going from kind of mega churches into large venues and stadiums. And so we went to work for them during their their transition and we booked them. I mean, this is in the nine, early 90s and we booked them all over the country in the largest venues and cities. And um, and they were packing the venues out. We were seeing, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 people wow. <laughs> that would come to their crusades and, you know, thousands of people coming to Christ. Yeah. And um, so it was really amazing time. Nice. And also I was involved uh, after I left there, still in Dallas, in the uh, Christian music business. So I worked for oh. a producer that owned two studios in Dallas and was producing a lot of the Christian music at that time. And I did uh, all of his business, the business side of that. Nice. Yeah. That's a that's part that I, I couldn't find that anywhere. <laughs> so in looking at... Uh, Gospel uh, Rescue Missions um, vision vision statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, something caught my attention. The last sentence in your vision statement says, "We work in collaboration with those who are passionate about bringing permanent solutions to the crisis of homelessness." Speak yes. to that for a little bit. How do you how do you even think about accomplishing that? Yeah. So um, so. Everything that we do here is in collaboration because the problem is bigger than just us. Yes. And um, and I firmly believe that, you know, the faith-based community does need to be a solution and be kind of a standard bearer. But we need to not be afraid of partnering together with other, you know, non-faith entities and even government entities to solve the problems. Um, so I use the whole model that we're, you know, we're coming together on a, with a common cause, you know, despite of our differences. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, our, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting time right now. Um, I'm sure you feel it, but in Tucson, there's a very strong housing first agenda, which is let's get people off the streets into housing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I can't say I agree with that, you know, because uh, you put a broken person into a house and they're still broken. What are they going to do? Um, so. So, you know, we're more of a treatment first option. You know, everybody wants to get people into permanent housing, but that's maybe not the first option. So we provide those resources for people to stabilize, for them 
to really get help with their, you know, substance use addictions, um, with their uh, mental health issues, and sometimes it's both. Um, and, uh, and then get them on a successful path, get them employment, get them, you know, saving money so that they can afford a stable, you know, uh, a stable housing, mm-hmm. permanent housing situation so that they can be successful in their life. Right. And, um, you know, when people are being put directly into housing without treatment, um, you know, data shows that they might be back on the streets in about two months. So that really doesn't solve the problem. It compounds the problem. And um, so we're here kind of shouting over here in Pima County, just saying, hey, you know, this is the model. Yeah, it is. And it, it takes all of us. It takes the whole community to come together to battle this problem. But if we're going to still be, you know, be misled that housing first is the answer, you know, it's not. And so you see cities like L.A. and San Francisco mm-hmm. and Seattle and Portland that have spent billions of dollars in housing first. And in most of those cities, their homeless has increased by 30 yeah. percent. So right there, it shows that it doesn't work. Hey, I have a, a notice for anyone who may have uh, bounced into the radio show, Rescuers Radio Show late. Uh, my guest is Lisa Chastain, CEO of Gospel Rescue Mission located in Tucson, and everyone ought to pay attention to this dialogue because they're actually finding ways to uh, tackle the the whole issue up front uh, without placing housing and and so forth right away. But you know, you also uh, do do things other than just. Um, I mean, you're 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 you need to analyze uh, them, the, the individuals, uh, to see what their skills might be to find jobs, help them find jobs. But you're also reaching out to them in another way, a more compassionate way. Uh, you have health. Uh, you take care of health needs, and maybe it's uh, physical or mental or whatever that is. You address. You're addressing that, if I understand, up front. Absolutely. You know that is um, that we. What our intake process is is there is definitely a vetting process, and we're not for everybody. But the great thing about partnerships and collaboration is that, you know, we realize that when people come to us for help, you know, asking for help is a humbling experience, you know, and this might be the only time that they ask for help. So even if we're not the right place for them, you know, it's our job to, to hand them off to somebody who can help them, you know, and make making sure that they get there. So that's one. So if somebody comes and they're, you know, they're, they're under the influence or of alcohol or drugs, um, then we partner together with a detox uh, that is off property. So we'll take them to detox. They detox for a couple of days. And, uh, and then all that time, a bed is held for them. So then they're brought back to this location and they're allowed some time to just stabilize, you know, people that have, depending on how long they have, um, they have been in their addiction, you know, it might take, you know, a couple of months before they even have a clear thought. So, um, so it's quite a process, you know, and our addiction recovery, uh, treatment center here is a year long, you know, it's, it's a huge commitment, but 30, 60, 90 day programs, you know, simply don't work. And people are here with us that have been through so many of those 
short-term programs that they just relapse after relapse after relapse. So, um, so, uh, the addiction recovery treatment that we have here is faith-based. We believe that Christ has, you know, a huge part in bringing wholeness to somebody, uh, who is struggling with addiction. Um, and, um, and so, but everything else, you know, is voluntary. Somebody comes here and they're looking for a job, you know, they won't be asked to say the sinner's prayer at the front (laughs) desk, um, you know, that they can come as you are, you know, what would Jesus say? Come as you are. That's right. And, um, our doors are wide open to anybody that needs the help. And, uh, and then once they're here, you know, they do go through that process of getting a mental, getting a, a medical checkup, a dental checkup, you know, a mental health of evaluation. They go through the whole gamut so that we can identify what really the needs are so that we can meet their needs so that, you know, we can, again, help them with ending homelessness in their lives. Don't you think sometimes it starts at ground zero with just asking their name? (laughs) Who are you? Of course. Yeah. Our, you know, our foundation of what we do here is, you know, love, grace, dignity, and respect. And our whole campus was built around relationships. And um, so people come in and they're, they're hardened, you know, they don't trust anybody. They have, you know, they, they are reluctant to give anybody their story. So, so we invite them in and, and um, you know, like our, our meal services, you know, our dining room is, you come and sit at our table, you know, all the meals are served by volunteers, which is an amazing thing to see. So you must get uh, hundreds, if not a thousand volunteers there, right? Oh yeah. It takes us about three, three, we need about 300 volunteers a week to do everything that we do here to supplement the staff. So we rely heavily on our amazing volunteers that we have here. And, um, and so we have, you know, lounge areas that are, you know, that we can go and sit down and have conversations with people. And even the people that come here and say, you know what, I don't want any program. I just want a place to sleep and a warm shower and a hot meal. You know, we have a great success in converting those people, Mm -hmm. you know, once they're here to get them the help that they need. And, um, and so, you know, it's a work in progress and we do, um, you know, we've got great servant leaders here (laughs) and, uh, and they love on people very well. So when you said yes to be the CEO, you had no idea. No idea. (laughs) (laughs) But God knew that's the important thing. (laughs) And look, and look what he has done, right? Oh my gosh. It's just, um, you know, it really is a dream fulfilled and, um, and you know, and it doesn't stop here. It's just, it's, uh, we've already had, you know, we always felt that this was a model for the nation and, um, you know, without even, without even promoting that at all, we've already had 13 States, you know, come and visit, uh, the center of opportunity and um, and get inspiration to do something similar in their cities. I'm currently working with the state of Tennessee on some programs there. I'm working with the mayor's office in Sacramento and, um, and they all want to have this approach and build a center of opportunity in their city because they realize that um, this model of, you know, uh, social service agencies coming together 
and um, serving the the people experiencing homelessness, you know, is the answer, the treatment first model. So how do you address them? I mean, how do they find you to begin with? Well, you would be amazed at the homeless community and their underground communication okay. skills. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> they've, they've got better communication than than we do on <laughs> you know billboards and radio and TV. But um, but yeah, we we've been into you know got in Tucson since 1953, so uh, we'll be celebrating our 70th year anniversary next year, which is amazing to me. And um, so people are really know, you know, about the mission. And if somebody is new in Tucson and they're on the streets, you know, they're going to quickly know about what we do and what the resources are here. But we do advertising as well. You know, we do radio advertising and television advertising uh, for, you know, for donations as well as uh, getting the word out to the people that have needs. Absolutely. So, um, my goodness, the work that, that God has done through you because I'm looking, one of the pages that I found was the the decade by decade or, you know, there's been years and years of different parts of putting this uh, gospel rescue mission together. And you've become the steadfast one and at the top of the chain in that. And uh, God bless you. I have one one question. We're in our last couple of minutes here. But if somebody's listening right now and they do want to contact you, how do they do that? Yes, please go to our website at grmtucson.com. You'll find a wealth of information about who we are and the services that we provide. Um, Also, you can give us a call at 520-740-1501. Nice. Give give that uh, website and the phone number one more time. Yes, uh, Gospel Rescue Mission, grmtucson.com. Or call at 520-740-1501. So would you say that because of how you operate, are you keeping the numbers down that are on the streets right now? Yeah, that's our goal is to, you know, impact the state of homelessness in, you know, Pima County and Tucson and... And um, so, yeah, we're paying close attention to that. And you know, everybody like, and everybody should be paying attention to what's going on in Tucson. That's for sure. Thank you so much, Art. Lisa, you are a rescuer. Hallelujah. God rescued me. So, <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm just doing it to others as he did to me. Amen. We're so happy, <laughs> so blessed to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being on the Rescuers Radio Show. God bless. Thank you, Art. God bless you. Thanks, Lisa. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Sponsored by RC Auto, where it's not just an exchange of keys, it's a relationship. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.